My focus this year in 2020 has been on the gospel, and focus has been my word for this year. Um, I've already talked about a word with Pastor Chris for next year, but the word is vision. I think that's actually going to be his word. But um, I've been focusing on the gospel this year. And uh, starting in January, I started a Bible study, Apex 261. It's all about Romans. And yes, we have been in Romans since January. And we are on chapter 8. So we're, we're just trudging our way through it, and it's been amazing. Um, I have committed chapter 8 and 12 to memory this year, a little bit of chapter 5. So I'm telling you that because it is um, part of why I'm up here is because God has been working in me through this book and the truths of this book. Um, I also have listened to at least 100 sermons on the book of Romans this year. So when I say I'm focused, I just wanted to explain part of what that means to me. And, uh, and confession time, the reason I need to be focused is because I feel like I forgot the gospel. I know it, I can tell you what it is, but I did not I did not pour it over myself every day like I'm doing now. And so my goal today is to share that a little bit about the truth of what I'm learning to encourage you to remember the gospel. And also, um, I want to invite anyone to believe maybe for the first time today. That is like one of my goals. I, whatever God wants, but I know he wants people to believe in him, so that's my goal for him today. Maybe for the very first time, somebody might, might do that today. And then just to be an encouragement uh, to the believers. Um, the title of the message is Romans Road 2.0. The Romans Road is a list of verses in the book of Romans that primarily when I was growing up, it was used to bring people to Christ. Romans 3.10, there is none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.9 and 10, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so those verses, I like I said, I know those verses. I know the Romans wrote. And then as I, was, as I was teaching and meeting with these guys, I said, yeah, you guys know the Romans Road? Nope. How about you? If I ask, let me show a hands out here. How many people have heard of the Romans Road? Other than just now. <laughs> okay, that's good. That's a pretty good. That's, that's all the Baptists out there probably, right? <laughs> the, Baptists, the Baptists did an amazing job 
of using that set of scripture to evangelize. And, and no disrespect to them today when I say Romans Road 2.0. That is an amazing set of scriptures. It will continue to draw people to Christ. The 2.0 part is just my, I don't know, I thought it was cool, so I just said Romans Road 2.0. Um, so this is the Romans Road. We have our mile markers starting at 116, 323. They're on the post there. And that's a little shout out to my buddy Philip. And I don't think he's here today, but um, he's, his influence is here because, uh, you know, I used mile markers when I was younger driving around, but it wasn't until we were going to races with Philip and we would be traveling like 100 miles on 81. And we'd call each other on the phone and, hey, where are you at? You know, and he'd be all, oh, man, I'm at 120 or something. I'd be like, well, what are you talking about? And so he always said, you know, he wouldn't say the town. I would always say, well, I'm, you know, I'm in Rutgersville or something. And he'd be, he'd always tell you the mile marker. So, uh, again, I thought that was cool. It kind of goes with the verses. And I, you guys didn't know it, but there's like 12 miles across the front of this building here. So, um, anyway, that's what our markers are. Before we get to mile marker 116, um, this book was written by Paul. That was not always his name. He actually started out as Saul. And before he gets to the, the letter to the, to the Romans, to the Christian believers in Rome, he actually was a wealthy, a wealthy person, probably educated as a lawyer. Uh, he was very religious. Most likely knew the Old Testament by heart. One of the flaws of that day was that many of the religious people hated the way, hated Christians. Uh, they were threatened by it. They didn't understand it. And there was a young man by the name of Stephen who was trying to tell the religious leaders of that day that they completely missed the whole point. He took them through the whole Old Testament, named many forefathers, and they stoned him for it. And I just want to read a little bit about uh, that, that story. It's in Acts chapter 7. After Stephen had pretty much laid out the case that the religious leaders of the day had missed the whole point, it says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the quick, and they began gnashing their teeth at him. But being full of the Holy Spirit, he gazed intently into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, Behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. But they cried out with a loud voice and covered their ears and rushed at him with one impulse. When they had driven him out of the city, they began stoning him. And the witnesses laid aside their robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. They went on stoning Stephen as he called out on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then falling on his knees, he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Having said this, he fell asleep. 
In chapter 8, it says, Saul was in hearty agreement with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution began against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Some devout men buried Stephen and made loud lamentation over him. But Saul began ravaging the church, entering house after house and dragging off men and women. He would put them in prison. One of the reasons I want to read this is that before Paul gets to the understanding of this, he, he went through that. He was actually so religious, but he missed it. And so he was actually in agreement, putting Stephen to death, and he was dragging people, men and women, out of their houses. I mean, there's, there were kids there. He's listening to the kids. He's dragging people out of their house, or he's certainly in agreement with it. So he, he's on the way to Damascus one day, and he meets Jesus, and Jesus meets him there, and there's this bright light, and he, and he gets blinded, and Jesus actually changes his life in the course of the next short period of time. And then he starts just preaching the gospel all over the region. From there, I don't want you to forget that. He's trying to preach the gospel, and people are like, no, I remember, I remember you. So he's trying to like let people know that he's actually legit. He's preaching the gospel, and so that's what he had to deal with, and that's part of his understanding. I, I, I just don't want you to miss that point. That you may think that, and we've, we've gone this, we've said this at, at, at Apex, like you may think that you're too bad for God to reach you. Just look at Stephen. Just look at Paul. You know, you may think that you're too good. Paul knew the Old Testament. He was highly trained, but he missed it. So that was, that's like the preface for mile marker 116. So in, in light of that, mile marker 116, Romans 116, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Paul was not ashamed of that gospel, but it brought him much shame. If you read his story, uh, he went through much suffering, but he wasn't, he wasn't ashamed of the gospel. And what I want to do is just define the gospel real quickly, how Paul defines it uh, in the first part of that chapter. In Romans 1, 2 through 5, it says, which he promised, which God promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, 
who was declared the Son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake. So the gospel is a promise from God. It is a promise that he was going to send Jesus to die for our sins. It was written down for us in the Holy Scriptures. What a blessing it is to have the promise actually recorded. And it was about Jesus, who is the Son of God, declared that by rising from the dead. And it's so that we can receive that grace of eternal life. And, and don't miss this part. And apostleship. Grace is not just for us so we can get fat on it. Grace is for other people. So that is mile marker 116. It's the power of God unto salvation. And one other thing just on that. Salvation, and this is, this is probably the focus that I had on salvation for much of my life was that it was a point in time. That when you, salvation is that prayer, that first prayer that you pray that said, God, I know that I'm a sinner. I believe you. I believe that what you have done through Jesus, that counted for me. And I want you to be Lord of my life. That is a salvation prayer. That, but that is not all that it is. Salvation is a process. Salvation is a road trip. You know, it is, you do have a starting point. But it, is, it doesn't stop there. You just continue to work it out. And uh, we've talked about this. Pastor Tim has talked about this a little bit. Noah has become a hero of mine. On, on this point. God told him, you're going you're gonna to be saved. I, I've got some bad news. There's going to be a flood. But don't worry, you're going to be saved. You and your family, the animals, I've got a plan. But for 20 to 40 years, Noah had to still get up every morning and build that boat. 20 to 40 years. So his salvation, that's what it looked like. Getting up, putting pitch, cutting, talking with his kids about it, trying to be an encouragement, that's what it looked like for him. So the gospel, remembering the gospel, empowers you through all of that. It is the power of God for salvation, that whole process. We're going to go to mile marker 323, and I'll just stand here so you don't have to move the camera. Is that cool? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Martin Luther said this is the chief point of the whole Bible. All have sinned and fallen short. If, there, if this is not a serious point, there is no need for good news. If we 
are not under the weight of the sin. And it doesn't just mean we do bad things. We break the rules. It doesn't mean that. It means that sin is in us. It's on us like a big weight, like just a just picture a thousand pound block on you. There's no way you can work your way out of that. This is something that we inherited from Adam's choice in the garden. He walked with God. He had a great relationship. Then the enemy came and deceived him and put a question in his mind. Has God really said that? Has God really said that you would die? So all of a sudden, there was this this doubt that was cast, and they failed the test. Instead of saying, yes, he really said that, I'm going to follow him, I'm going to do exactly what he said, they, they were just deceived. It's just humanity. But because of that sin, one sin, sin entered into the world, and death because of it. And so God made a plan called the gospel, a promise that he was going to take care of it. He was going to send his son, that whoever believed would not perish. It's interesting because Romans 3.23, you know, it, it talks about the sin of us. But right after that is verse 24 that says, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. So the focus, at least for Paul, wasn't only on the weight of that sin, it was equally on the gift. And I want to I just put an exclamation point there because there's nothing that we can do apart from believing. It's actually worse than you think. And I'm going to read a little bit about our description in Isaiah 59. Behold, the Lord's hand is not so short that it cannot save, nor is his ear so dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken falsehood. Your tongue mutters wickedness. No one sues righteously and no one pleads honestly. They trust in confusion and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch adder's eggs and weave the spider's web. He who eats of their eggs dies. And from that which is crushed, a snake breaks forth. Their webs will not become clothing, nor will they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and an act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil. They hasten to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Devastation and destruction are in their highways. They do not know the way of peace, and there is no justice in their tracks. They have made their paths crooked. Whoever treads on them does not know peace. So here we are, that, that description, for all have sinned, and we're going to move to the next mile marker. This is Romans 5, 8.
Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The chapter starts out, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts. For That has been poured out within our hearts. It goes on to say that for one would hardly die, and Danelle uh, read it earlier, for one would hardly die for a righteous man. Though perhaps for a good man, someone would dare even to die. But, verse 8, God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. How do you know that God loves you? He demonstrated it by sending his son. That was a real event. And we've talked about this before. It is a known fact that Jesus was on the planet. Our calendar is based on it. He was here. The choice, the decision that we have to make is, is he, is he who he said he was? Is he? And do you believe it? So, the other thing about that, it's not only for that salvation, yes, I know he loves me, it's, it's for every day. Because how do you know your faith is legit? How do you know that God is real? If you persevere through tribulation, if your character is increasing, if you have hope, those are all things that encourage you, encourage your own heart. You know, as things come against you, how do you handle those? That's part of this whole process of salvation, and that's what's demonstrated here in, uh, in this section of Romans chapter 5. All right, Tyler, I'm going to move one more time, or maybe a couple more times. I'll come right over here to the center. Mile marker 623, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We talk about this as the great exchange. We give God all, all of our sin. Jesus takes it upon himself and puts it on his back on the cross, and in exchange, we get eternal life. That is an exceptional deal. That's why it's a great exchange. Um, it's actually an answer to a question in chapter 6. Shall we continue in sin? And, and remember, I, I haven't said it probably as clearly yet. This whole book was written to believers people that already believe. And so now he's asking the question, shall we continue in sin? No, the wages of sin is death. 
So earlier in, or, or maybe in verses 12 through 14, it says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lust. Do not go on presenting your members of your body to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who live or as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of, God, of righteousness to God. For sin shall not master over you, for you are not under law but under grace. So I want you to key in on just a few words. Don't let it reign over you. Don't let it master you. There are going to be times when we struggle with sin. Paul's going to talk about that. Don't let it master you. Don't present your bodies to it. Don't present your members to it. Set your mind on other things. That's part of the whole process of, of working out your salvation. And like I said, Paul talks about sin. At the, at the end of chapter 7, he's like, I, I can't even do what I want to do. The very things that I want to do, I can't. And the very things that I, want, that I don't want to do, I do. And he's like, I'm a mess. Who is going to save me? Who, who is going to help me with this? And the answer is mile marker 8-1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. If you are in Christ, your building is where he wants to reside. Your body. Condemnation is a building term. And you may have seen buildings that have been condemned. They're not fit, you know, for occupation. Occupancy, yeah. Um, so the enemy wants to tell you that. He will continue to tell you that your whole life. You are unfit for God to live there. He will remind you. Alex helped me the other night at Bible study. The enemy continues to remind you of all of your failures and the things in your past. And don't you think for a second that Paul didn't see Stephen a lot. That he didn't see the, the faces of the kids where he was dragging their moms and dads out. So when he says, therefore, there's now no condemnation. He is, he's telling himself that. He's telling all of us. The enemy wants you to believe that your body is condemned. But Jesus is standing at the door waiting for an invitation. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. In Revelation 3, if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in, we'll share a meal. That's what he wants. He wants time with you, and he wants to occupy your life and your heart. So don't believe the lies that there is condemnation because there is none. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. Mile marker 10, 9 and 10. Right, we're going to swing around here, Tyler. Sorry. Um, that if you confess with your mouth 
Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. You will be saved, for with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. This is a point that I, that I need clarity in, that I have need clarity, clarity in, because I focused on that salvation prayer, that if you confess one time, and I do think that that's all it takes to invite Jesus in, into your heart for the first time. But as I confessed earlier that I kind of forgot this, I think this is an important point. You don't stop confessing. You confess, you confess that Jesus is Lord. You have to do that in order to make it through. You believe. You keep on believing. You keep on believing. You fight. Don't forget. Don't forget what, he, what Jesus did for, for you on the cross. Don't forget the promise. Don't forget that it's been written down. Don't forget it's all about Jesus. Yes, you need to believe and confess that first moment. And I hope somebody does that today. But, it, but it's for every day also. Every day of your life, you should be confessing. You should be thankful. And, I, and I'm just going to tell you this because it is working for me. Every day, I recite the chapters that I've memorized over me. Every day. It's been like that for months. And so... I can, I can feel the hope of the gospel well up in me. So I just want to encourage you on that point. And then mile marker 12. Just going to swing around here for just a second. Mile marker 12 is our response. And it's Paul's response. As he's gone through his life, He thinks about the mercy of God. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God. This is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may know what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted each a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we, we who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. And since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let each of us exercise them. 
Let each of us exercise them. If prophecy according to the proportion of his faith, if serving in his serving, or he who teaches in his teaching, he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope. Persevering in tribulation. Devoted to prayer. Contributing to the needs of the saints. Practicing hospitality. Bless those who curse you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind one toward another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, my beloved, but save room for the wrath of God. For as it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heat burning coals upon his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. That is our response. That is my prayer, that it's my response. As you travel across these markers, you should have the hope of the gospel welling up inside of you so that you would obey like that. Paul calls it the obedience of faith. And so that is the picture of the church. That's what God wants. That's what Jesus died for. So I invite you. Uh, Chris is going to be up here. I've got a little bit more work to do over at the drums, but Chris will be here if you need to pray, if you need to invite Jesus into your heart for the first time, we invite you to come, talk to Chris, and um, or you can talk to Pastor Tim and Lori. They'll be happy to, Miss Jan, you know, make yourself available. Uh, I also want you to invite you again to baptism. Baptism is is a picture of this. And it's a family event. It's like a birthday party, you know? And so Paul experienced it. Jesus experienced it. It's something that 
as you believe, after you believe, your next step is, hey, I'm making this public. I am, I'm taking this. I'm, I'm taking this fight. And it's, it's an honor and it's also an act of obedience. If you want to get baptized today, I'm in. All you got to do is let me know that you're going to run home and get some clothes or whatever. And Right, Chris? We're cool with that? Um, we just want it to be whatever God wants. If you've been thinking about it and you want to do it, please, there's opportunity in just a little bit. So thank you. Thank you for being a family that is interested in the gospel and that wants to walk it out. And so I, I hope that it's been clear today what Jesus did for all of us. And it doesn't come without bumps and bruises and black and blue. But he understands that. So be encouraged in your walk and remember the gospel.